0: Hey, welcome to another podcast with the coach Brendan sir and I'm so excited today Rob Isan is our guest a former head coach at the University of Alabama Birmingham UAB uh, Rob welcome to the show
1: thank you I'm honored to be here
0: today well I'll tell you what when you're you're when you have three children at home under the age of six you're honored to be anywhere except doing <laughs> those things especially with that eight month old
1: yeah you know this is a it's been an incredible time. In so much uncertainty right now in our world, um, you know, and being home with having our three kids, getting to spend some time with them, though, really has been priceless. And I have six-year-old, four-year-old, and an eight-month-old, and we've done a lot of uh basketball in the house and and playing games together and watching movies and and it's been it has been an incredible bonding time for
0: our family. Yeah, I I think this is the 45th day I've been home. Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean yeah. And, not that I'm counting, uh, but <laughs> and, uh, but uh, you know, but the only thing I have are four dogs and my wife, not in that order, but uh but you know, <laughs> but I I think uh the thing that is uh, I I wanted to coaches around the country that i have worked with and coached before uh he called me last week to ask me how i was doing and everything and i asked him and he said it's the best 30 plus days he's had in coaching since he's been he said i had a really rough year and he said i you know i really value what what I'm going through right now. He said, uh, it's just really given me amazing energy. If he had to go into postseason recruiting and all this stuff, it's a 12 month job. He said, it really would have taken its toll on me. So I think, you know, we have to look at this right now, no matter what situation you're in, that this is in many ways, not a curse, but a blessing.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I I was telling another coach, you wish that every year and we had, we had no, economic struggles or or a virus but that we could have a week right or two weeks of a shutdown where you could just be with your family amid no crisis because it is it has been it has been a valuable time for and especially in the coaching world where you're you know mentally and physically you're always on the go um hopefully for a lot of coaches it's been a re-energizer and and again quality family time for everybody
0: you know we uh we first met when uh you were assistant to Jared house at UAB. Yep. And I was an assistant to Johnny Jones, uh, at LSU. And we had Ben Simmons and David Patrick, uh, was my partner here. And, uh, you know, and, uh, and I was rolling through Florida where I lived at the time in Orlando. And I was rolling through Florida to get home and see my family before the season started. And back in September and you and I first yep. met it. I can remember with our, my buddy, Adam Ross, at the gym yep. down there at Sage yep. hunt and then uh and i you know and, and i'd known jared a little bit but then uh the next day i come up and there i am at 6 a.m i'm gonna outwork everyone <laughs> you know to go see yep. my buddy chris mayberry at, at tfa and i said you know it's right by my house and i said this is great and i Get in the place, and there you are. And I said, son of a gun, this guy works. And and uh, and I said, well, that was nice two days in a row. And then I go to Mount Vernon. There you are at Mount Vernon. <laughs> we, yeah. we were following each other. Yeah, yeah. and uh, but, you know, I was always impressed. He had a great, great work ethic and stuff. And then I was so happy, A, to see Jerry get a great job at Stanford, and then for them to reward you. With an opportunity at UAB, which has always been a great basketball school, but I think in many ways, a tough job. I know the people of Birmingham wouldn't say it, but as an outsider who played against them when I was at UCF, I really believe it is. It's not, you know, it's a tough job and stuff. But, you know, congratulations on four incredible years when, you know, I know that conference, maybe the most underrated and toughest conference with the amount of teams to crazy, insane yeah. travel schedule to never have a below 500 record in that league, you know, is, is absolutely yeah. amazing. And then, of course, you are on to, to your third tw- straight 20 season win when all of a sudden the basketball world and the world in general was put on pause uh you yeah know, fabulous job and then the most amazing thing happens is what
1: yeah you know I think um you know it's been a month it's been about a month since since I was since I was let go and you know it was kind of a it was kind of a crazy it was kind of a crazy ending you know to the season in so many different ways I think for myself and my family and you know, as a coach, um, you know, there was an article that somebody wrote that there's two kind of coaches in this world, those that um, have been fired and those that are going to be fired. Sure. And I think as a coach, you know – it's interesting because, even as a young coach, you know when you go through adversity and and again, we were very successful and had a lot of good things, did a lot of great things at u a b as you mentioned you always have that fear i mean i you know you always kind of have that fear when you face adversity of you know of job security and and what one day you could be fired and you know at the age of thirty three I was named the head coach at u a b and um and at 25 i was an assistant at maryland and you know an interesting thing um coaches i used to always tell the players that every every successful player i'd ever coached and that had gone on to the nba had an amazing story something that they'd overcome adversity in some way or they'd overcome the odds and you know my story was unique um coming from California, being a, a essentially a walk-on Division II player, earning a scholarship, and then getting to Maryland and working for Gary Williams. But I had caught a lot of lucky breaks. And I think um, because of how hard I worked and and a lot of different things, I caught some breaks along the way to put me in this position at the age of, of 33, you know, the head coach at UAB. And so I say that to say – When I was told I was let go, I met with the team. Um, You know this will this will last for my whole life, but I meet with the team, and and the coaches had not known. It was kind of a crazy morning. It was a Friday morning, so we got the team together, and I walk into the locker room, and I think everybody was kind of what's going on. We're having an emergency team meeting, and you had you know the coronavirus, so that people, some of the kids thought that and i walked into the team meeting and i said and i started off and it kind of just instinctively came to me coach i told them my a quote that i had shared with the team religiously throughout the last couple years and it's a martin luther king um quote that says um you know the character of a man is not um is is chal- the character of a person is determined in moments of of challenge and controversy and we and I said that instinctively, like right away, and then I told him the news and it 's kind of ironic now because this is for the first time in my career where I am, where now I have uh, some adversity that I need to overcome and some and, and really part of my story that now hopefully will lead to some success and, and, and will end up being a great story as I go through you know what I went through and, and what we 've been through you know a month ago essentially
0: you know uh you know you know the the that saying about you know the two types of coaches probably if you do this for a long time it's it's definitely you know true uh you know there's probably guys on you know one hand you know from Bayheim and coach K and guys like that that it didn't happen to you know but that's the exception um you know UB Brown was my high school coach and I you know he brought me to the NBA and you know, yep. and, and he was coach of the year, and we were like the hottest team in the league, and bang, he got fired. And I thought how the heck did that happen, you know? And and then when I, you know, I, I went and finished out Chuck Daly's career the last 12 years with him, and and he was, I've known Chuck since I was 14, 15 years old as a camper, at five-star. And, and all, you know, and I went with, you know, Chuck, and during that time, you know, you spend so much time. He told me that he said, it. you know, he was a hot shot coach of Penn, uh, yep. you know, Final Four Penn, and uh, quit uh, five days before the season started, went to the Sixers uh, to coach with Billy Cunningham as an assistant. Uh, they just went to the NBA Finals. They were a phenomenal franchise team. And, you know, he had that bug of, you know, I want to coach an NBA team, and he took a terrible job with the Cleveland Cavaliers yeah. uh, under terrible ownership at the time, and and he begged Eric Musselman's daddy, Bill Musselman, who was the general manager. He begged Bill, please fire yeah. me, fire me, please, <laughs> and because his knew his record was just going to keep getting worse and worse. And Bill, fired, <laughs> Bill fired him in ninety three days. Imagine that! Wow, wow! Twelve years later, yeah. Chuck Daly's and you know not only the coach a dream team and having won a t- couple of championships he's in the Basketball Hall of Fame. So, exactly. So, the, yep. you know, it, it can turn, like, on a dime. And, and that's the thing that about this. It's all about confidence, about believing in yourself. And like you said, luck. You know, you have to yep. have luck. Someone's got to believe in you, give you a shot like you've given players a chance over the years. But let's talk about, you know, I think a really big thing. You know, Gary Williams is a dear friend. And I've known Gary mm-hmm. since he was a high school coach. In Camden New Jersey okay and his best player when he won the state championship was my backcourt partner at Montclair State and uh, talk about Gary as a coach as a leader and what he gave you that helped and you carried through over the years
1: yeah, you know, at a young age, I tell people I got a Ph.D. in basketball, be, being around Coach Williams right out of college. I would got my master's at Maryland, but I was the coaching experience as really his grad assistant for three years, two and a half years was amazing. You know, there's two things about about coach. Um, The number one thing that he was so elite at was never turning it off. And this is what I mean. Good days, bad days. Good practices, bad practices. Great wins versus North Carolina. Bad losses. We lost one year to American. It didn't matter. He was going to come and bring it every single day. And there was no – he never took his foot off the gas pedal. You know, human nature – And I, and I think, um, you know, this was something I tried to improve, but until you become a head coach, you know, you really get, you, you get really tested on this is, you know, human nature is when the team's playing great or you're a great win is to be a little more happy, right? Be a little bit more relaxed. Um, be a little bit maybe more easier on the guys and practice and coach Williams consistency in that intensity and that fire every day was Absolutely elite and was amazing, and it was something I tried to emulate and always kept in the back of my mind, Um, and I thought it was something that I improved on from year one to year two to year three as a head coach. You know, the other thing that I thought – people used to always ask this why do you know players at Maryland get so much better every year um you know when coach won the championship in 2002 at Maryland I think he was the only coach up until I think 2013 to win a national championship with no McDonald's All-Americans and they had Juan Dixon and Lonnie Baxter and Steve Blake and a lot of these guys were all under-recruited guys well coach had you know coach was known for the for the flex right the flex bat the system that he ran the flex but and i told people you could count on one hand i coached with with gary for six years we could count on one hand how many times we scored off a flex cut right for a layup but But what he was uh, masterful at is all the other intricacies and wrinkles around it. And and it provided a system where guys got better every year because year after year, you were learning to get better. And I think one of the things that was a great lesson for me that I kind of, I didn't take with me right away and I kind of learned it as a head coach later on my last two years was... Doing the same things, uh, um, you know, you want to evolve as a coach, but having some consistency with your play and your defensive principles and your offensive principles is one of the biggest keys to player development, in my opinion, because even after one year, you can a, a guy's going to be much better at all the reading screens off the flex offenses from year one to two, from year two to three. And by the time Juan Dixon at Maryland became a a senior, the film on him using these flex screens was unbelievable. It was just, it was just, and again, it was the repetition. It was knowing it was the teaching year after year. So I think those are the two things at Maryland and from Gary that really, really stuck with me.
0: Fast model sports is the world's most comprehensive versatile basketball coaching software to help power your preparation. Fast Model has developed the industry's best coaching software, including the number one play diagramming and playbook software, FastDraw. FastDraw bridges the gap between whiteboarding in the digital world with an incredibly easy to use interface that can be used on both your computer and iPad to providing maximum portability for your own personal play and drill database. It doesn't stop there. Along with FastPro, they have other great programs such as Fast Scout, which helps coaches create clean, professional scouting reports customized for your team. FastModel is trusted and used by all NBA and WNBA teams, 85% of Division One college teams, and over 8,000 high school and youth teams from over 75 countries around the world. In addition to a great product. They also provide basketball coaching resources through their blog and play bank, which features over 5,000 free plays and drills on their online coaching community. For access to these plays and more information, visit FastModelSports.com or follow them on Twitter at FastModel. We're back from an eventful time out at at the household with Rob, Uh, but you know that's like one of our half times, so that's perfect. You know, I mean, (laughs) you know, that that's a mild NBA halftime. You know, but uh, but uh, you know, one of the things that um, you know, I think when you work with someone like Gary Williams, um, the the whole his, you know, he's a Hall of Famer, and I think guys like that, uh, you know, teach you so much. The two or three takeaways you have from him as a coach that you brought with you to UAB.
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, I had Coach Williams come out and talk to our team. Um, you know, when he when when I first got the job, he came out and he watched practice. You know, one of the things that um, we tried to do and, and we mentioned it early was his his some of his pressing concept, especially in my first year. We ran a one two two press really to try to slow down. And coach was, you know, he was one of the in the ACC, especially when you had. You know, prime ACC, he was one of the better pressing coaches. He was known for it. And one of the best things I thought that he, he really believed in, especially early in a season, was that pressing was another way to get your guys going. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're going to press, you, you know, it's, it's impossible really to. Have a slow start while pressing because it got you, it got you moving. It got you engaged. It got you being aggressive. And, you know, you talked about in games, Coach Williams mindset about how, how intense he was. And I thought the pressing was something that kind of played perfectly into that theory. So, so that was one of the things, you know, that, that Coach really felt strongly about did a good and, and was really good about, you know, the other thing was this. He had so many different types of good players, pros, right, at Maryland throughout the years. While they all ran the flex offense, he was so good at adjusting it and creating plays within that to help different players and I'll say we had Gravis Vasquez when I was there and and Gravis played the point for us and we had all these different intricacies running them off flex screens coming back man that that really gave Gravis great scoring opportunities while running his his system the next year his last year we had Jordan Williams who was a two and done big guy 6'10 250 pound and man did he were we able to manipulate it to get him on some roll? Back some duck-ins, and all different things in the flex that really, when Gravis was our leading scorer, we didn't do. So sh- being able to take a structure like the flex and then being able to tweak it to your personnel was something I took with me and something I learned from Gary that I thought really helped me as a coach.
0: When you went uh, in twelve thirteen to vatech uh, who was the head coach there? Seth?
1: That was that was Coach Greenberg's last year. Yes. Yeah.
0: yeah. Okay. That's what I, was, I was trying to figure out where that was in yep. Seth's career. Now I've known Seth also, you know, from five star days. He and his older brother Brad uh, from that time when they were high school kids out in Long Island. Uh, what was that experience like?
1: Yeah, you know, at Virginia Tech, I was only there for one season, but I I, I told people all the time Coach Greenberg's basketball mind. Was incredible. He could do a coaching clinic on any different offense, on any different defense, a zone man, one, three, one, two, really with no notes right off the top. So, me being able to learn at at Virginia Tech, we did so many different things, which is a little bit different than than how Gary did it. And just being able to learn his and pick his brain and see his basketball knowledge, I thought on many different topics was was a great learning experience for me.
0: Yeah, especially uh, moving from one ACC school to another, right? They were st- uh yep. you know a hell of a, you know, an education there and Seth is a great basketball guy. Now, uh, tell me about uh the Jared Haas connection was that through your relationship of being in the ACC with him in Carolina? Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we recruited against them. Coach Hass was from South Lake Tahoe High School, which was, you know, two hours uh, essentially from where I grew up in Sacramento. So we kind of had that connection and saw each other on the road. And when he got the UAB job, he asked me to come down, you know, come down with him to Birmingham. I'd never, I'd never stepped foot in the state of Alabama until my first, first day on the job here, here at, um, at UAB. And, and we obviously, you know, had a, had a really, really good run together.
0: Yeah, no, uh, was the Stanford job unexpected that he had that offer.
1: You know what I thought coach for coach always knew there was a few high major jobs that were great fits for him. And he would always tell people when we were well there's not a lot that are, that are good fits. You know, he, he wanted to go to a play. He was an academic all American. Um, I thought, I think the way he recruited, um, you know, his, his coaching style, he wanted to be able to coach good kids. He loved, you know, again, the academic piece was important to him. Stanford was one, I think, given he's from California, his parents were still in Lake Tahoe. That was one of a very few that I think if it ever came open, it would have been, you know, it would have been on, on his radar are very interested to him, and, it, and we talked about this earlier, coaching is so much timing. You know, what are the odds that the year we we win the regular season, we win 26 games at UAB, which is the most ever, the Stanford job opens, and it, and it kind of worked out perfectly for him.
0: And he ends up taking Johnny Dawkins' spot.
1: Yep, yep. Coach Dawkins went to Central Florida, yep. Yep,
0: that's interesting. Uh, now at 33, what was your expectation? Did you think you had a shot at the job? because you had such success there
1: you know what it was the longest it was the longest eight days of my my life i think (laughs) (laughs) it was an eight-day process i thought there was a great chance uh, because all of the players wanted me to be the head coach we had a young team we had a, almost everybody coming back wow. and I, and my relationships in the community were so really good and not to jump too far head coach but people used to always ask me you know what is um how's the transition when I became the head coach and I used to tell, before this was before I coached the game I said it's easy this has been great we didn't have to recruit i had signed both of the kids that were coming Um, that had signed. So they agreed to stay and we had our team coming back. We were going to be picked to be really good. And fast forward to my first game coach. Okay. This is my first game as a head coach. Um, November 11th, 2016, we're playing Arkansas pine bluff. Our point guard at the time was Nick Norton. Nick Norton was coming off a year where he was conference USA scholar athlete of the year. Okay. He was the star. He was our starting point guard. He was all conference basketball. He was a great leader. He was he was just a great player. Ten minutes into the first game, as me as a head coach, Nick Norton tears his ACL at half court in the middle of the game. Um, so I'll never forget this. I'm driving home that night, and somebody sends me a text message of a tweet from Fran for I had not known for Amforshil at the time. Now he's become a close friend, and he says, "Coach, young coach Robbie Son is going to get a crash course in handling adversity with Nick Norton suffering a season-ending ACL injury." <laughs> and and at the time, was he was he right on? You know, and still as a young. I want to say overconfident, you know, hadn't been humbled yet as a head coach. I was, I was very confident, but that really, you know, that he, Fran Fraschilla was exactly right on for, for that tweet as, as obviously, you know, we had to deal with a lot of adversity that year.
0: You know, you know, Fran is a great friend and he's a really sharp basketball guy, great mentor to everyone in the game. Um, what what did you learn that very first year, as we always say, moving, you know, depending on how big or small you are, 16, 18 inches over from an assistant to a head coach? What were some of your key learnings?
1: So, yeah, I I think it was the first one is that. I was, I felt as again, with the, with the situation I described, I think I felt so confident that we were going to be so successful. And this this sounds, you know, now just very not smart, but that how easy I thought it was going to be. And I think the first thing you learn as a head coach is that it is a hundred times harder than you think. That's the first thing I'll I'll tell you a, a story. We were seven and two in conference after kind of a rough non-conference year. We were seven and two, and we had gone on the road um, and we're playing at UTEP, coached by Tim Floyd, mm-hmm. who uh, you know one of the best coaches yep. right in, in in the country and in conference USA. We're up ten at halftime. We're down a half game to Middle Tennessee in the conference standings. Middle Tennessee was number one. We're seven and two. We're two. We we lose the game. We lose a double figure lead. We lose. We travel that night to UTSA. We get in at to San Antonio at three in the morning. I'm upset. And I'm and I'm really upset and I'm emotional. So the next day on our, our day off on practice on Friday, we practice hard, you know, physical. I'm I'm you know, I'm getting after them. We're going hard. Then we wake up the next morning at Saturday and it's a one o'clock game coach. And I take the 8am shoot around time, you know, because I'm upset. We're going to, we're going to practice at eight. We're going to go shoot around hard at 8am, come back at one o'clock. We lose the game mm-hmm. and we, we were just worn out. And I think we had lost two games in a row. We had not done that at UAB on the road, maybe in, in about two years. Okay. Up to that point. So I come back the next week and I just, and I put the guys through hard physical cra- to be honest looking back kind of crazy practices, and I'm just emotional and I'm upset, and we really coach to make a long story short we 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 spiraled kind of at the end of the season, you know wh- where we went from being seven and two to second place, I think we ended up fifth or sixth place in the league and maybe had only won two of our last seven. And I learned that I was all over the place during that last month, especially as a coach. I, I kicked the guys out of the locker room after one game and told them that to, they're going to change somewhere else for a week. Um, and 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 again, it was because we were losing and I was frustrated. And I think what I learned is that. There has to be a level, the level of consistency with your guys is so important. And, and I take great pride in the last two years. We finished the last two years. This last year we won five of seven and the year before we won our last six of eight. And I think handling adversity, learning how to coach your team through adversity, learning how to be firm but also be smart, and again, be consistent with your team. Uh, I think that was the biggest lesson that I learned in that year that drastically helped me. And it helped me finish both of the last two seasons very, very strong.
0: You know, it's funny in the last, uh, during our 45 days of podcast university here, <laughs> it seems like we're <laughs> running now, uh, you know, we've do, doing so many, but it's interesting. One of the common themes I'm finding Rob is, um, uh, that I really think if you're coaching in college, uh, it's very difficult to be a really, really tough flight college coach, unless you're yep. in a really great parent. And now you have three of them. You have three little ones at home. Uh, yep. Not sure you had any back then. No, you just probably did, right? You probably had correct. Some baby yeah, I just him. had a bit. Yeah, we yeah. just had
1: our. We just had our second baby. Okay. the week I got hired. Yes. yes.
0: So my saying is this, uh, and I said this to one of my favorite favorite coaches that I worked with for years as a uh, his personal coach, and I said to him after I watched him cuss out his players for two hours, and then uh, <laughs> yeah. at the end of the two hours of just cussing him up and down and he had another Hall of Famer on his staff, and, and he got together at half court, talked to the team, and then said the Lord's Prayer. And I said, please, <laughs> I said, why, why would you do that? I mean, you know, you know, you talk about consistency. And and the reason I say to be a great parent, because I, I said to him that day, I said, you have four children and a wonderful wife. Why don't you go home and practice that method with them? And he said, oh, I'd never do, talk to them that way. I said, well, those are someone's kids too, for and, sure. And uh, yep. And I think that's the thing. We we get we lose, you know, we lose our wits sometimes about that. And now you say, you know, hey, I wouldn't do that. And all the time I'm fighting with coaches about, you know, about that. We think we and and I've been through forty eight years of – it's the most overrated thing in the history of basketball, okay? <laughs> <Nope mustard>. yes, <laughs> I yes, mean, I've sure. had no shoot-arounds and beat the best team in the world, and I've had shoot-arounds <laughs> and lost to the worst team in the world. So, for you know, sure. it doesn't really matter. It, it's a really about the mentality of the players going into it, not even yourself. And so I think it's a, it's a great lesson, and it's, it's very humbling, and I'm glad you shared that because it's a great story. At this time out, we're going to come back with Rob. Let's take a second to tell you about one of our partners, Dr. Dish. Dr. Dish basketball shooting machines are the most high-tech and durable basketball shooting machines on the market. Each shooting machine was designed specifically for high-repetition training to allow players to improve through technology. Dr. Dish offers game-like training to give hundreds of shooting reps in just minutes and provide powerful analytics to help players improve their game. Dr. Dish has also introduced Skill Builder, which is the first of its kind in the basketball shooting machine industry that enables players and coaches to stay connected, design and upload training exercises, and instantly receive feedback on their workout, allowing for real-time adjustments and improved performance. It is, without question, the most innovative basketball training machine on the market. To learn more about Dr. Dish, log on to drdishbasketball.com or follow them on Twitter at Dr. Dish B ball. Don't forget to mention Coaching You and receive $300 off on your next Dr. Dish purchase. That's right, mention Coaching You or the podcast and get $300 off your Dr. Dish. All right, we're back with Rob and. Uh... Rob, you know, one of the really neat things is, you know, in watching you uh, during your four years at UAB, the consistency you had with your program from 17 wins, 20 wins. And and I want to say this. You're part of a program that won 26 games. Then you lose mm-hmm. your point guard and you win 17. Uh, you have your first year coaching hiccups, which happens to everyone in their first year of yep. coaching, unless you're Steve Kerr. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, yes. and, and so, you know, and then – You're on the verge of winning 20 games three years in a row. Phenomenal and an incredibly tough league. Talk about your offensive style of play. How does Rob Isan's teams play?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. You know, so I think um, one of the biggest lessons that that I also learned in coaching was, you know, every player wants freedom. But 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 all players, but they also need structure. And I think one of the biggest things we tried to do was allow, was provide structure, and also giving guys freedom within that structure. And you know, one of the things that we started on, um, really kind of doing um, earlier than a lot of colleges, but they all jumped on, was kind of our ball screen motion. The one, the one, uh, it's called European ball screen motion. A lot of people run it where you know you have a continuous naked side ball screens, with right. the other big lifted in the back cut. So we, we did that my first couple years and really, really developed it. But then everybody kind of started running it. Um, so next we started to put, we started to kind of alter it and put some of our big guys down in those dunker spot and put some of our big guys up and all while trying to evolve as the game evolved, you know, evolve with different ball screen concept, concepts of trying to keep the floor spaced. You know, ironically, Coach, we had a really big physical team the last couple of years, kind of how recruiting went. So we really also emphasized offensive rebounding. And, I, think, you know, when you look at statistically at, at my tenure there, rebounding was one of our strengths. It got betty, better every year. We really hurt people on the offensive glass. Um, and I think it was something that we thought was – One of our one of our really strengths that we emphasized a lot. So we ran a lot of ball screens. We tried to attack the the glasses as much as we could, and we we wanted to run. Smartly. Um, we wanted to play in, tr- in transition really off makes. And I used to tell everybody, guys, we want to run. You want to play fast. So do I. It's going to be predicated on how good our defense is. This is what I mean. Any deflection, any block shot, any long rebound, the more stops we can get, the more opportunities I want to run it. And I really want to get a good shot. Um, so that, so overall, um, we also had some great post players, you know, which post play has been obviously talked about and debated a lot over the last couple of years. But we had some good post players the last couple of years who we also, within our ball screen stuff, really did a good job of getting it into them.
0: You know, so I think that, you know, pick and roll ball screen action uh, in college basketball, you know, is interesting to watch because uh, obviously as an advocate of uh, pick and roll ball screen basketball offensively um, I've watched the way people defend it at all the levels and uh, how do you find how did you find most of the people in conference USA were defending your ball screens
1: well, so uh, good question. In eight years, Brandon, it changed drastically. And mm-hmm. for us, it changed as well, right? When we sure. first were doing it, everybody was hard hedging, right. ev- which, which is what everyone did six years ago, right? <laughs> if you play, if you're playing. So I think, um, what we ended up seeing is a lot of switching. You know, I think I think the college game has kind of is maybe always a year or two behind the NBA game in some of those basketball concepts, but a lot of switching. And then we went through a, a two-year stretch where everyone tried to ice it. Everyone tried to down the side stuff ball screens. But again, as people came up with counterattacks and things, I think switching uh, and icing were probably in the last couple of years the two things we really saw the most with it.
0: When uh, a, a lot of teams that I've had. Uh, when we saw teams ice, even though I knew what to do against it, um, my guards weren't good enough to do it, yeah. and, and so I think that becomes a problem. So what we did, we had was we went to a package uh, in the middle third of the court, uh, yep. where we, you know, to stay within the two lanes and really play from there to take away uh, their hard hedging. And I think the the toughest thing, as I've always said in talking about defensing pick and rolls is, you know, no one knows how to defend middle pick and rolls, right? Uh, you know, exactly. uh, you yep. know, if you do, you get a, you, know, you get a lifetime scholarship at coaching you because, uh, you know, it just, it's just too difficult to, um, you know, to figure out a way to stop everyone. And, uh, you know, if you have one of those big guys you talked about and people switch, you know, yep. they're big onto your point guard, who's really clever bad matchup. And if you're big can play with his back to the basket, he rolls down to the front of the rim. He's going to score in that point guard. So it's, it's, it's really a, a difficult thing to do. And, and so I advise all those people that love ball screens, which I do, uh, and you do, uh, make sure you have a package in the middle third of the court also. Yep.
1: hundred percent. No you know, question. Uh, about
0: the, it. The, the, you talked about offensive rebounding and, uh, you know, you, so we saw, uh, you know, we're in the midst for five weeks of uh, watching the last dance with Michael Jordan's teams. And, uh, and and I remember when Phil Jackson called Chuck Daly and I about, should he take Dennis Rodman? You know, even though he'd competed yeah. against Dennis for years when we, we would play, uh, you know, there were concerns about Dennis off the court. Uh, but Dennis, uh, you know... You know, the advice we gave, Phil, was, you know, number one, you got the best defensive player in the league at the power Mm -hmm. forward or the center spot. And then you have the best rebounder in the league. But more importantly, he's the best offensive rebounder I've ever seen in the history of pro basketball. Uh, and, And the more shots you get, the more attempts you get. Dennis never would shoot. You know, he would take, you know, yep. he wouldn't even t- offensive rebound around the basket, throw the ball out, which nowadays is a great three point shot play. Right. You know, you get a sure. rebound, throw it out for a wide open three. That was his game. Um, and, and so, you know, I remember Chuck Daly telling him, uh, only take Dennis, Phil, if you're going to coach him like he's one of your four children that you have at home. And tr- he needs love. It, love. Yeah. He needs love. He needs care, and make sure Scotty and Michael accept him. You know, yep. don't, don't isolate him. Yeah, it was all about the person. You know, but you know, can you imagine? You know, I always say this: a, a really cool trivia question is. Uh, you know, I always say when I go in to speak to a college team, tell if I'll give you a thousand dollars if you can tell me who Dennis Rodman was traded for. <laughs> I couldn't give you the answer. I know yeah, that. <laughs> who on the Bulls did they trade to San Antonio for the world's greatest rebounder? And the answer is a guy that went to Vanderbilt that had size 23 shoes. Wow. This backup center for for mm-hmm. Chicago. And so they ended up making a trade that might be as bad a trade as they've ever been in the NBA
1: if for and, sure,
0: yeah, and and so because they wanted to get rid of the what they thought was the character, and he wasn't a character, they just didn't know how to coach him. Yeah, that player, by the way, was Will Perdue. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. I, yeah. I don't like to do that to Will. I like him very much, but one of the worst deals of all time, you know. And it got Phil three championships in three years with Dennis, you know. So that just shows yep. that you know he did as Phil did, one of the great. And the yep. irony was that general manager on the team was Greg Popovich. <laughs> wow. And, and-
1: Well, one thing, uh, one thing, Coach, I think I learned, too, is, you know, as an assistant, I felt like I was really good at mentally – being able to get to guys and, mm-hmm. you know, again, you can imagine working for coach Williams, uh, you know, and, and being able to connect with guys on a different level and mentally help them when they were struggling. And when I became a head coach, I think I tried to stay in that role a little bit too much, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Sure. And one of the things I was so big on was our staff being able to mentally help these guys connect with these guys and i think as as i got after year one as a head coach and i kind of recognized this we did a better job as a group and our staff of really trying to tap into the mental part keeping these guys distraction free so they could play so physically and mentally they could be the best versions of themselves which you know in today's world for young people is incredibly difficult
0: it's all about coaching people. Basketball is an important part, yep. but it's about people being able to reach everyone. And what we find on our teams of 13 players in college is that each one of them is unique and different. Mm-hmm. They're None of them are the same. Just like our own kids at home, they're not the same. Your three children are all different, you know, and that makes it so much fun. Let's talk about defense for you. Tell me about yep. the style of play that you like.
1: Yeah, you know, you know, my defensive uh, journey as a head coach, uh, it, it, it's unique. And I think it's one thing. It was a great thing I got better at. I knew, I knew. Coach, when I in Conference USA, I knew that if you wanted to win the regular season, and we're in a one bid league, right? So, but sure. I knew if you wanted to have a chance to win the regular season, you had to be really good defensively. And in Conference USA, as you mentioned, it's fourteen teams. You have all different crazy styles of play. It was much different than the ACC, where it's a, a lot of times great coaches, great players, but ninety percent of everyone's playing man to man, right? Except for maybe bayheim and in a couple unique situations but in conference usa you're facing all different styles and um i knew defensively we had to be good in my first two years i kind of we played a one-two-two press i told you about the maryland Mm -hmm. we kind of tried that and and then in year two we started to do a little bit one-three-one and it wasn't until year three where i said we need to get consistent. I need to be more consistent. And we kind of, we went to all right. Look, we're gonna play. We're gonna play in the gaps, man to man. We're gonna try to force people to their weak hands in a lot of different situations. There's a lot of ball screens. We're gonna to try to make guys go left, and then we're gonna have a two three zone that we're gonna not spend as much time on, but we're gonna hope that it can win us one or two games if it needs to. And I think when I became more consistent, coach, with our defense of principles and teaching it and really emphasizing and working on it over and over, I saw us get a lot better. Um, you know, there's one thing that I, that we did out of our 2-3 that was kind of a special thing was uh, we would call it our 22. And on the second pass, we'd go to man-to-man. And I threw it in there in a couple games and it was really, really effective effective and you know one of the things I always thought in my mind was man what if you know at the mid-major level what if you put all your time into a defense like that how good could it be I you know quite frankly I think I never really had the uh you know the guts to go full to it but we we like I said we played it we played some we played mostly man-to-man the last two years with with that 2-3 and and that 22 defense kind of as a change-up.
0: That's neat. Uh, you know, and I and I learned uh from coaching against uh, our friend Tim Floyd uh yep. who, you know, had a the brass balls of all time, you know. Uh, <laughs> I love them and uh you know, and his teams at UTEP back in the day were outstanding and uh you know, one of the things that uh we did this year at Stetson that was really neat was Donnie Jones, uh, you know, try to box and one, you know, right? Yeah. You know, and and you know what? In my 48 years of coaching, I have never once, during practice, practiced against a boxing one. I'm, I'm honest. I'm being honest. I, I, someone says, oh, you know, you go to every clinic. You know, you have all these clinics. What would you run? I said, I, I don't know. I honestly don't know. And you know what? It happens. And so we've had amazing success using it because. <laughs> You know, and we held a nationally ranked team to 11 points in the second half and upset them, you know, using it this year. And you know what? And then we we tried in the conference semifinals at Triangle in two. And there's so yep. many neat things you can do. You know what? Chuck taught me, Chuck Daly taught me that the key is like teaching a class, teaching a semester's worth of a class. If you, if you read the same chapter over and over, you're going to bore the hell out of your students. So every every Monday, through his entire my entire career with him, we would go in and teach a new play. Because okay. we wanted them to be to want to learn to be continuous learners, and and we and we did that and we've done that now in college and I think it's a really great thing because you know just not doing the same thing over and over. But I think is. I think it's an important thing because we we as coaches are all continuous learners, but we got to turn our sure. players into that too. You know, uh, you know, just a, well, just a yeah, play.
1: and and that's the, one of the greatest lessons I learned in Conference USA, coach, the last eight years was just is just is gar, is defending different kind of styles and going against different styles. You just mentioned Tim Floyd. We went triangle into box and in one. He would face guard everyone. Mm-hmm. We had Dandy and Dandy and Tony right. Who oh were wow. The, Fabulous. shoot every six seconds I mean the Steve Nash the ball screen stuff we, I mean we've had uh, Kermit Davis they played the one three one aggressive trapping one three one I mean rice did a matchup three two all year so you you got so many different coach you had to go against so many different styles with so many teams that I thought it made me a better coach it sure. really enhanced my knowledge of, of of going against and preparing against different schemes.
0: let me ask you this Rob okay yeah. This is really a, a critical thing for you right now. Uh, what's next for you?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, I was telling somebody um, that every assistant coach should be a head coach, right, at some point, because you, when you go back, if you're get the chance to go back to be an assistant coach you just you just you know so much more you have so much more of an idea of what a head coach is going through and I think one of the things is learning how to communicate with your coach because I always used to tell my guys we got to learn how to communicate what's you guys got to learn to communicate with me I got to learn to communicate with you better obviously and and I think for me the natural step is you know trying to probably go back to being an assistant coach, use my knowledge, um, use my strengths and what I learned to, to ho- to hopefully help the next head coach be successful. Um, you know, I think the, the mental grind of being a, a head coach in college is so, I can't explain how, how tough that is until you go through it. You know, nobody really knows. And I think being in a, I, I think I can provide tremendous value as an assistant coach somewhere. And you never know, you never know what, what will happen down the road. Well
0: you're going to be fine and uh, you know I just hope we get through all this uh uncertainty uh for healthy sure. for everyone uh that you you're valuing your time with your family so which is so important and uh, and that's the blessing. Uh, yes you know and and you're going to be fine you're a terrific basketball guy and a much better person you know and that's the highest acclimate i can give to you my friend you know and you're going to be just good and uh and we'll pray for each other but uh hey listen it's a real honor to have you on as a guest and uh we've learned a lot we're better for it
1: i i appreciate you coach and thanks for your friendship over the years
0: thank you rob i'll tell you what um you know you know, I, I think there were so many lessons and takeaways, and I and I love those kind of conversations. There's a tough conversations. I asked Rob if he would do this for us because I, I think, you know, uh, you know, we talk about all the good things in coaching. There's a hard part of coaching, too. There's a real tough time. Sometimes you get fired when you don't deserve to fu- be fired. Sometimes you do. Okay? I've been in both situations. There were times when our teams were so darn bad, you know, I would have fired me halfway through the year, you know. And so, you know, that happens. But you know what? It's what happens to you individually, personally, uh, and to your career based on, you know, how you handle it. So you have to get up off the mat, as we like to say, and then approach each day. And I remember UB telling me when he got fired from the Hawks, he had to immediately, it was so unexpected for him that he had to go back and almost reprogram himself. And so... You know, right now, it's no different. You know, the the virus has knocked us all on our ass. It's the same thing if you'd lost your job, okay? And there's a lot of people, half our country might lose their jobs, not coaching jobs, just jobs in general. What are these people going to do? Are you going to lay down and quit, or are you going to figure something out? When that happens to you, you have to figure something out. No one's going to be holding a charity event for you. Figure it out. Uh, Take out your contact list on your phone start texting people let them know that you're alive and well and just because a lot of people are scared to call you when you lose your job uh your phone rings the first day or two and then after that it stops so remember that for a coach that you know that lost his job reach out to him they'll appreciate it till next week this is the coach brendan sir